have such sights to show you. Don't come any closer. They're behind us. I met this six-year-old child with blackest eyes. You're listening to Some Daylight Required, a father and daughter podcast dedicated to reviewing the classic and the not-so-classic horror movies, thrillers, or something just a little spooky. And of course, each review comes with a healthy side of general chit-chat. This week we reminisce about better days, so sit back, relax, and join us on our journey into the depths of darkness as we discuss I Know What You Did Last Summer. We're going home now. Never, ever... Under any circumstances known to God, speak about this again. Is that clear? It is now merely a future therapy bill, agreed? Hello, and welcome to Some Daylight Required, a podcast known for its unforgettability. I'm Ray the Munchman Williams, and today I'm joined by my co-host, the fishing woman extraordinaire, Emily. How are you doing today, Emily? I'm good, I'm good. So, uh, what have you been up to since last time we talked? Anything much? Uh, well, I have been up to a... I would say a lot, but in all in all, it's not a lot to do in like two weeks. Yep. Well, why don't you uh, tell us then what you have been reading, watching, or playing? Okay, so I have been watching a little bit. Season two of Jurassic Park Camp Cretaceous came out like a while ago. Yep. But anyway, I'm watching that now because I really like it. It's based off of the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World movies. Yep. And it's just a bunch of kids go to Jurassic Park. Yeah, a bunch of kids go to Jurassic Park and they're for like some Camp Cretaceous thing, mm-hmm. which only a few select people got to go on to and meant to like do all, go and do all this dinosaur stuff. It's dinosaurs and it's also a Jurassic Park movie, so it doesn't really end that well. Yeah, well, it's a series, isn't it? And yeah. It's a three animated series. Yeah animated series. I've also been watching The Disastrous Life of Psyche K. Oh, yep. That's uh, anime? It's an anime. The first season's all in English, but the um, the other two are all in Japanese. There are subtitles, though, which is great. I haven't finished watching it yet, but it's really good, and I like it. Yep, I've watched a few, a few of those episodes with you. It's just pretty random and funny. Yeah, it's it's great. Basically, this kid was born with, like, psychic powers and stuff, and he hates his powers, and everyone he meets is an idiot. (laughs) Yeah. And also, keeping on the theme of Jurassic Park, well, this is Jurassic World, but still, keeping on the theme of the Jurassic movies, I've also been playing Jurassic World Evolution, which is a great game. So, so what are you actually doing in that? Are you running away from the dinosaurs, or hunting dinosaurs, or what's the... Okay, so in this one... Basically, you get an island and you have to incubate and release dinosaurs, you know, basically run your own Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah. But then, like, and you'll get, then there's three divisions that'll give you contracts. There's security, entertainment, and science. Basically, you level up those trust or just get more of those contracts and then you get stuff from the people. And it's a little bit confusing, but you can get stuff from them and... Then you basically just go from one island to the next and you keep on going around. I have currently unlocked all the islands. I'm just going back around and, like, completing them all properly. Yep. Because you can actually unlock an island without completing all the contracts. 
because you need to meet certain requirements before you unlock your next island. Mm -hmm. Like just getting a certain amount of stars on an island. I think that's mainly it, though. Getting the stars. And the stars are obviously like how popular your island is and how well it's running. Yeah. But there's also things like if you release certain dinosaurs in with each other, they won't mix. You know, it could be they need to be a lot of one type of dinosaur, but they can't be in a large group of with other dinosaurs. Or you just have solitary dinosaurs. You can also create the Indominus Rex and the Indoraptor. Yeah, from, from like the Jurassic World movies. Yes. I have got the Indominus Rex. I just need to do a little bit more stuff so I can actually get the Indominus Raptor. Mm. Which, in theory, it probably isn't that great to have both of them on one island. <laughs> but the Indominus Rex looks so cute. Do, can you actually transfer dinosaurs from one island to another? So, or... Mm. No, you can't. But when you when you like get the DNA for a dinosaur, you can use it on any of the islands. Okay. Yeah, so there's like a couple of buildings that will just basically merge across all the islands. So, with, like with that, that means like you could basically dig up a fossil on one area, which is how you get the DNA. You mm-hmm. could then like analyze it in another one, and then you could actually incubate the dinosaur on a n- third island. Ah, so okay. You can spread it out a lot. Uh, one last thing. I also did go, I also went to the Birds of Tokyo Symphony Orchestra on Saturday night. Uh, yeah, on Saturday. It was, it was my first live concert and it was great. Yeah. I also wore these black shoes and now I got a blister on the back of my foot and it hurts. <sighs> but it was, the pain was worth it. Yes, definitely. It was, it was really good. I liked it. Yeah, it was it was really good. I like seeing the live concert. It was a lot different to just listening to their music. Yep, yep. So you're all keen to go to another concert when we can. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what about you? What have you been reading, watching, doing, etc., etc.? Etc., etc. Well, I've actually, for a change, I have actually started reading a book um, <gasps> rather than just comics. Oh, my God. Uh, so I am reading a book called Odd Hours, which is by Dean Koontz and is the fourth book in the Odd Thomas series. What's it about? So Odd Thomas is, well, the the series starts off with Odd Thomas living in his hometown and he's like a fry cook just in the middle of nowhere. But he has a special ability where he can see ghosts Ghosts can't talk to him, but he can see them, and and he, he like they can sort of show him if they want like sort of help. Maybe they were killed or something, and they want him to help bring the killer to justice or something, or maybe they want to you know say goodbye to a loved one. Like they can't actually speak to him, but they can gesture and stuff like that. But he also sees these sort of black shadowy things, which start to congregate in areas where something really bad is going to happen. So if there's going to be like a massive bus crash that kills like some a heap of people you know he'll he he can see like all these shadows it's like they anticipate something bad's going to happen they don't actually cause it but they anticipate it and they go and they feed off the negative en- energy and so each one of these is about him and um, so the first one happens in his hometown and something tragic happens there so he sort of leaves and he goes to another place another city or whatever and then something bad happens there and then he sort of in the third book, he's like sick of like the bad stuff happening, so he tries to run away from it, and he tries to go to like a, a monastery in the middle of a nowhere, you know, on the mountain top somewhere. But of course, you know, the bad stuff follows him, and he, then he's like, "Well, maybe I can't run from this. I have to 
go out and use my ability the best I can. So this fourth book is now, he's gone out and he's currently living in uh, California and working as a cook for a wealthy, rich, older gentleman. But he started having dreams of a red tide or red ocean or something's going to happen. So not too far into it, but he's already started in a sense that uh, something big and scary is going to go down. So yeah, so that's that's the Odd Hours book. Um, What else have I been reading? Oh, I have been reading some comics. I've been reading, there's a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comics that have just come out. Uh, It's a special set of five, which is written by the original people. The original people who who came up with the concept of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but this is called The Last Ronin. So, without giving too many spoilers, just a quick rundown of what this comic is about. It's set just a little bit in the future, where all the Ninja Turtles except for Raphael are dead, and he's basically gone on a mission to seek vengeance for the death of his brothers, and so he's going after the Foot Clan, who have somehow come into a lot more power. And they're, they're the ones that were led by Shredder the original bad guys yeah so only the first issue of the first of the five is coming out so far but i read that and that was pretty good well it sounds interesting i would like to read them well you you definitely can your sister has already read read it first she's she snuck in and read it before me now that i'm done you can have a read and i'd recommend it. it's, it's quite good so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes I have also been watching a, another true crime show. Well, it's not really a crime show. It's just a very suspicious death. But the, it's a Netflix se- uh, miniseries, limited series. Uh, it's only got four episodes. It's called Crime Scene, The Vanishing at Cecil Hotel. And it's basically about this woman who, she was staying at the Cecil Hotel. There's some footage of her on her last day where she's sort of, acting very peculiar in a in an elevator she's like hops in presses a bunch of buttons oh. she looks out she's sort of looking as if she's that she's sort of hiding from someone she waves her arms around a bit she hops into the elevator the elevator's not working properly it doesn't close and she ends up getting out of the elevator and that's like the last footage and then they they find her about uh, 6 days later she's she's dead inside a water tank on top of the hotel i have heard a little bit about that not, I haven't seen the show itself, but I have heard about it. Some people think it relates to uh, an elevator game where you basically press a bunch of elevator buttons in a certain order and then you supposedly walk into a different dimension. But then if you don't come back in time, you'll basically get stuck there. Oh, okay. That's what I've that's what I've heard about it, and that's what I know. But mm-hmm. it does it does sound very interesting to get like the full story. Of what happened? Yeah, so and it's it's really interesting. They're they're interviewing like detectives who are actually looking into the case. They're interviewing people who actually worked at the hotel at the time that the disappearances ha- happened, and they're also talking to like um, what they call armchair detectives, like so people at home like us who go onto the internet and watch that footage and then try and like make it clearer and try and basically work out pieces of the puzzle to find out what what's happened. So I've watched the first episode and a half of it and it's very interesting i've heard podcasts on this case pre previously but it's good to actually hear interviews with actual people who used to work at the hotel because apparently lots of stuff happened at this hotel like you know there was murders and all sorts of stuff that just constantly happened at this hotel like they're interviewing what the the woman who was a manager there at the time and she spent 10 years working there and she said there was like 80 people died 
in that hotel during that 10 years that she she worked there. That's eight people a year. Yeah, it, it's that's a massive amount of people to die in a, in a hotel. And, I know. Um, anyway, it's it's really good. So I'm watching that and I'm looking forward to it to, to see. Like, I know it's still unsolved, so I know, know that I'm not going to be getting any surprises at the end, but it's just interesting seeing all the, the facts get unveiled and what they've done so far to try and investigate this thing and hopefully even maybe someone else watching it might be able to come up with some more answers or, or be able to supply some information yeah all right i don't have any announcements myself uh actually i do have a bit of news oh yeah the conjuring 3 the devil made me do it the teaser trailer has just come out like a couple days ago that's out now. The actual movie itself's not coming out until like June or July, so we still have to wait a while for that, but at least we can actually see part of it, like a little teaser of the trailer. Yep. And um we 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 actually watched that just today. What what are your thoughts on what you saw in the in the little trailer? I know there wasn't a lot in there, but what did you think? Uh well, it does look good and I'm very excited to see The Conjuring 3 because the other two the other two movies, Con- The Conjuring 1 and The Conjuring 2 they were great, and I really want to see The Conjuring 3, because I hope it's just as good as the other two. Yeah, and it looks a little bit different. It looks like this one's going to be... It's definitely based around like that whole court case that they had to go, try and prove if that guy was coerced by the devil to kill the people, or if he was just using that as an excuse. So it's yeah. quite a bit different to the, the other two. It still looks quite interesting. Yeah, it does. I think from the end of the trailer, it noticed, it's said that it will be going uh streaming live on HBO Max which is in the states that's one of their streaming services and but also in theaters so it should hopefully that means hopefully it will still come in it to Australia in theaters cuz yep. we don't have HBO Max out here but for the Americans they can stream it on uh HBO Max anything else uh no no all right uh, well, that's my little two cents worth of news yep so we'll um we'll put a link in the show notes so if you well, you can just check it out on YouTube. But let's move on to the main discussion. All right, Ems. So as we've mentioned, we are talking about I Know What You Did Last Summer from 1997. In your glory, give us the Best version of this storyline. Okay. After an accident on a winding road, four teens make the fatal mistake of dumping their victim's body into the sea, but exactly one year later, the dead man returns from his watery grave and he's looking for more than an apology. <laughs> when I read it out loud, it sounds pretty cool. Alright. Well, after you, since you gave us that, I will give us a quick rundown of the characters and who played them. We had Julie, who was played by Jennifer Love Hewitt. Helen was played by Sarah Michelle Geller. Barry was played by Ryan Philippe. We've got Ray, who was played by Freddie Prince Jr. And the Fishman was played by Muse Watson. Now, you'd be surprised because some of those people are actually quite good and they've been in a lot of things like Sarah Michelle Geller. She was Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She was in quite a, a lot of movies. She was in that TV show. I can't remember the name, but she was in it with Robin Williams for about a series or two. Is I can't remember the name, the title of it. No, but that would be funny. Um, because I know it's last summer and I can't remember the name. Freddie Prince Jr., he's he's quite good. He's, he's actually quite a good comedic actor. Like I was saying, 
many, uh, quite a few good actors in here, but as we go forward, you'll you'll hear a few points of of I just I don't know just it how it fell down. So I will give the typical spoiler warning that well this one's a really old movie, so there will be a few spoilers in here. If you if you want to avoid spoilers, you know, make sure you watch the movie first, and then that's a waste of time. Just <laughs> come hear the spoilers. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, just be warned there will be some spoilers ahead. Yay. Okay. So the storyline of the movie amps. What did you actually think about that idea? Just from what you read out, then, what did you think of that idea of a storyline? It was a good storyline. It sort of reminds me of Friday the Thirteenth, like the first movie with was it the first one. Feel like it is, uh, with the whole drowning thing. Yeah, with um, Jason drowning. Yep, it reminds yep. me of like that sort of, and then him coming back for revenge, and everything else. It's a good storyline. So the one where Jason comes back is in the second one because the, the first one. Yep. Okay, right. So it's, it reminds me of the beginning of Friday the Thirteenth, the second one. Mm-hmm. Friday the Fifteenth. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. Well, Fourteenth technically. Okay, anyway, yeah, it sort of reminds me of that with the whole a dead person coming back to life after being drowned, murdered, yep. after dying. Yeah, it yeah, it kind of reminds me of that. It's definitely a good storyline. They just didn't do a good job of putting it into a movie. Yep. What about you? What did you think of the storyline? Yeah, I like the storyline. Like, as you said, it, it had a great concept for a movie, like a couple of kids accidentally kill a person and then they try and oh, get rid of the body because they you know they're just about to start their whole lives go off they've left about to either go to college or start work and and then it could be quite suspenseful and like uh, a very mind manipulated thing where like the, this person when he comes back he could actually like torment them a lot like it could become a very psychological horror movie mm. but it it doesn't do that so i felt that was a very big let down like and even like even the when he does kill them, there's no there's no no like real build up. There's like one that is like when he's chasing after Sarah Michelle Geller, the girl who was the prom queen in it. Like there's a lot of chasing in that, and she's terrified in that. But the others, he just sort of like he's there, he kills them, and then he moves on or whatever. And so I I like the idea of the movie, the I like the original concept of the movie. I just didn't like how it was portrayed all right let's move on then what about characters did you actually have a favorite character was this was there at least someone you could identify with and and go yep okay they did a good job playing that character okay well all of them were pathetic even the killer was bad okay (laughs) i want to complain about this later but even the killer was bad the killer's never supposed to be bad but i think the only one person who was okay was the sister of the brother whose girlfriend's father was the killer. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yep. Yep. She owned. She basically, um, she lived. She. You can also remember her as the crazy lady that skins animals and lives in the middle of the woods, yeah. which is like four meters away from a road. Yeah, I think her name was Molly or something like that. Maybe. Some. Yeah, she was okay. Yep. She wasn't like my favorite character, but she was okay. Yep. Um. What about you? Did you have a favorite character? <laughs> No, I didn't, and again, probably the closest would have been, as you said, is that woman that you said who was the sister of a brother who who died. His girlfriend's father's out to kill him. Yeah, or um, there's a guy 
Max, who is played by the same person who plays Leonard out of The Big Bang Theory. And again, he's only in it for a couple of minutes. He's not in it for very long. Probably my favourite character, only because I like the actor from The Big Bang Theory. Apart from that, <laughs> there wasn't really anyone that I I um, felt strongly enough to that I cared if they lived or died. I would have cheered for the killer, except he wasn't that great either. He was pretty, yeah. Useless. Yeah, like, anyway. Special effects. Any any thoughts on special effects? Well, I'm not sure how much special effects that they used in this. Not a lot, actually. Not I did re- I did read that when they were filming this that like the the person like the director and that they didn't want it to be a gore movie. So most of the deaths were originally going to be sort of done like the the original deaths were all going to be like the Alfred Hitchcock style where you'd see a hand with a knife flash, but you wouldn't actually see the person die and there would be, like, no blood on the scene and then maybe later you'd see the dead body laying somewhere, but you, there was he really didn't want gore. Um, he'd even mentioned that the in the original... When they originally shot the movie, there's when... What's her name? Helen's sister. So Sarah Michelle Gellar, who played Helen, her sister in this movie, she gets killed and the camera's behind her and she gets her throat slit open. And originally there was no blood in that and they ended up showing it and the guy was told, no, reshoot it and put like some special effects in there because otherwise it doesn't look realistic enough like this. There's no way a person could like hack through your throat and not a single drop of blood splurts anywhere. Mm. Um, so as you said, there's yeah not really any special effects. Like, yeah, there was like maybe one when that, uh, after that girl gets her throat slashed, then you see him carrying her along. He hooks her in the chest or the stomach with his big fishing hook and he carries her she kind of looks limp she kind of looks like she could actually just be a mannequin I, I don't really remember so i'm not sure if she was acting well enough to look like she was a dead person or they just had a mannequin that he was carrying that's pretty much the closest thing to any real special effects within this movie yeah yeah and that's i'm assuming that's the same as your thought yeah basically yeah there's there's not really any special effects and there wasn't anything good about it I guess for our main, a, a bit of a discussion here going forward, we should probably talk. Now, we've, we've said like sort of, oh, people knew, knew from a few episodes ago that I didn't like this movie and now you've seen it and it's obviously clear that you weren't a big fan of this movie either. Not at all. <laughs> so this is going to be sort of a, a giant raise rant. We're going to discuss what the things were that we saw in the movie. It didn't make a good horror movie, I guess. That's probably the best way to do it. Are you happy with that? Yep. Let me just scooch in a little bit closer. Okay. Here we go. So, basically, there's just a lot of inconsistencies and stuff in this movie that I felt was bad. Like, I I felt like it was a big ripoff of Scream. Mm -hmm. And uh, from what I could see on the internet, a lot of people felt this was a big ripoff of Scream. And the reason was, actually, is the person who Scream wrote this also Scream wrote Scream. Um, he actually ended up, he did this movie first, but couldn't sell it until after they sold Scream and it was a big hit, then he was able to sell this and, and they took mm-hmm. it. So yes. And like in Scream, they had Nev Campbell play the, the heroine chick here. And in this one, they had Jennifer Love Hewitt and they were both in a TV show at the time called Party of Five. So it's kind of like, oh, you've got someone from Party of Five and that worked really well. I'll grab the next one and add it in. So that was a bit sort of lame, but. Just, okay, inconsistencies. Here we go. So this whole movie 
we'll, we'll take it in terms of things that we spotted mm-hmm. that were inconsistent. My mm-hmm. first thing that I th- felt was inconsistent was was right at the beginning of the movie when the when the four teenagers they hit the fisherman and mm-hmm. they they kill him or they think they've killed him. Mm-hmm. Max, who's in the car, he's driving along. And they see him coming and they're like, oh, heck, Max is coming quick. We've got to get rid of this body. You know, got to pretend like nothing's wrong. Now, apart from the fact that their car's completely smashed up at the front because they've hit the, hit this guy, where they then pick up the body and start to carry it across the road and then dump it over the side of the rail. And then they try and pretend that they're vomiting over the side of the rail or whatever it is that they're pretending. The distance that Max was away from them, he would have easily seen them carry and struggle carrying this man's body across the road he would have seen it clear as day like yes it was night time but he had his headlights on they could see him they were in the light so them carrying this body across the road he would have seen it plain as day and if he couldn't like he shouldn't be driving because he couldn't see anything so that's the first thing is like they're doing that and he and then he's like going oh you know what's happened oh and pretending that he didn't see anything and didn't know anything like had happened. Um, and then that went on like that. He'd never actually seen this accident. But from where he was, he should have easily seen it. Yeah. The, the next thing that then followed on from this is he's actually the first victim to the fisherman. Now, he wasn't with the the, the, whole, the fisherman's whole thing of killing these people was a revenge thing because they instead of like getting help when they hit him that he they tried to kill him and they threw him into the river or and that but max wasn't with them at all so he never saw max max wasn't there when they hit him max wasn't there when they threw him into the water he obviously had done his research to find out who it was that hit him and, and dumped him and he worked out who they were and who was friends well if he had done that that he would have also known that max and them didn't get along like he was against max so if anything, he should have went to Max and got Max to team up with him or something. He should not have been Max's first victim. Just tag team it out. Because it was all about, like, the only thing, the only reason I can see that they killed Max was so he could get a fisherman's hook. Well, he was a fisherman. He would have had one of these hooks, so there was no need to kill Max. Because, right. And, and if he, because he died just after they, the other teens confronted him. Well, if he was there watching like he supposedly had been doing this whole time, he would have seen that Max had no idea what they were talking about and they were basically picking on and threatening Max. So again, if anything, he should have been feeling more sympathetic towards Max than, and no reason to kill Max because Max had nothing to do with it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay, that was my first rant. What about you? What was something that you picked up that you felt was completely inconsistent? Okay, well, um, it's not really completely inconsistent. But this one just annoyed me. Right, so there's this part where basically the prom queen or whatever of this little fishing town, mm-hmm. she's the prom queen from like last year and everything. Yep, so that's Sarah Michelle Geller's character, yep. Yep. Anyway, she's sleeping and the killer's in her bedroom, as normal killer stalkers are, you know, mm-hmm. yep. just standing in her wardrobe, right? He stands there all night and only does is cut off her hair. Yep. I don't understand that. Like, he's standing there. It would be it would have been so easy just to kill her and then leave. Yep. Like, I don't understand why you just would cut off her hair. I know it would have been, like, psychological and, you know, she's meant to be, like, really pretty and everything. And cutting off her hair is probably worse than killing her. But still, if you're wanting revenge, then get revenge for them trying to kill you. They didn't try and cut off your hair. So, you know, sort of level it out a lot more than doing that. Like, to her, it was probably devastating. But I just didn't like the fact 
that he didn't kill her. He had so much opportunity, a whole night of opportunity to kill her, but he didn't. He just cut off her hair with a hook. (laughs) How do you cut off someone's hair with a hook? I mean, I I thought of that as well. What do you do? You just sort of like saw it, but you can't really do that without waking her up either. So you had to go and get scissors. That would just be... Like, too much inconveniencedness. You could have just gotten the hook and just stabbed her. That's right, yeah. If you're holding it the right way, you didn't hold the right way. Anyway, that was my one. Yeah. So, and, and that would have been good, as I was pointing out before, if they were going to make it a very psychological thing, then that would make sense because he could torment them more and more. But he didn't, yeah. like, really torment them more and more. He just sort of torment them mm. a little bit and then kill them or something. It wasn't, like, yeah. built up. My next one is actually probably... Follows on a little bit from that because it is her. She's about to hand over the crown and um, she's up on stage and all the lights are in there. She, there's a big crowd in front of her. They're in a hall or something and her ex-boyfriend at the time is up on the second level and he's watching over her. Now, she's got the lights in her eyes, but she then look up where the, her boyfriend's in the dark and she can see the killer come up behind and he reaches over and, and stabs him with a hook. And then she starts screaming, you know, he's up there, he's up there, he's killing him. Not a single person in the audience turns around to look at where she's pointing and where she's screaming. He's killing him. He's killing him. And then she hops off the stage and starts to run to try and get up there to help. And again, still no one, anyone in the audience could have turned around and looked up because there was no lights in their eyes. They would have easily seen it. But instead of like following her, the whole crowd just stand up and stop her for no reason. Like she's yelling that someone's getting killed and everyone just stands up and stops her until the police officer walks over and says, all right, all right, let her through. And then they go, they walk up casually up to the stairs where the boyfriend was and isn't, and when they get up there, he's no longer up there. And then the, the police officer goes, well, there's nothing up here. Maybe he's playing a trick on you. Okay. The guy just got gutted. Like he just got a hook stuck into him and sliced up his, from his belly up to his chest. And then the police he doesn't even look around he stands at the top of the stairs looks can't see a person and then walks away and then like the camera pulls back and you can see a bit of blood on the on a post and i'm like well if he'd done that there would have been a heap of like a fair bit of blood on the post on the floor where he got cut if if the body's not laying there that means he's dragged him off so there'd be drag marks with blood being taken all the police officers had to do was look down at the ground and you would have seen a big blood line so again just doesn't make sense the girl's screaming look up there there's a killer there's a killer and not a single person in the audience looks up and then all they want to do is stop her from getting up there and then when the police officer gets up there he doesn't even look at anything he just goes oh well he's not here it's a it must be a prank ah yeah all right your next one okay right here we go this one i found a little bit annoying as well it was another death scene Mm -hmm. so basically one kid i can't remember what his name was but it was right after, it was like right after Max died or something. Anyway, the killer's in a car and he's trying to run this kid over. Yep. Right? Now, if you think about that, a car trying to run a kid over, who would win? Now, most of you would think the car. No. So, the kid runs away from the car, does this weird loot thing, and then, like, the car runs into a building which he's in and the whole thing sort of crashes down and everything. Then the killer has to, while this kid's on the ground... Like, two meters away from the car, the killer has to get out of the car and then stab the child. Oh, yeah. um, he doesn't run him through a building. He runs him through, like, a big um, sign, a big signage thing, like uh, a billboard sign. Yeah, he runs him through something. and But I- it still, uh, yeah, still goes flying through it and then falls down, like, a, there's, a, like, a, a meter or two drop until yeah. and he lands on, like, 
a bunch of rubble and stuff. Yeah. But still, when you sort of think about it, that car could have easily just hit him. Like, there was no need to run him into a billboard sign or whatever. The kid can't run outrun a car. No matter how old and how bad that car is, a kid can't outrun a car. I just didn't like that. I didn't like how he got away. But he ended up dying anyway, so that made me feel a little bit better. Yeah, but it wasn't straight away either. And yeah. this is where my next one comes in is because, same as that, like he got hit, he went through this billboard, landed down on the ground like uh, two metres away. The The fisherman comes up to him and stands over him, but then it cuts away and the next minute, it's like the next day, and then Barry's in hospital and he's all sort of rigged up, he's got a broken arm and stuff. Um, so the killer, again, could have killed him when he he had. So he kills Max without even thinking for no reason. But then the people he's trying to kill, he sort of hits him a bit and then leaves him. But then, like, yeah, so he's the next day he's in hospital, he's bandaged up, he's got a broken arm or whatever. But then later that afternoon he's out of the hospital and he's walking around. Or the next day he's out of the hospital and he's walking around. Now, I've had a broken ankle, you've had broken shoulders and, 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 and wrist. wrist. We know that you don't just get up and walk away, after, especially after being hit by a car. Like, yeah. I got mine from riding my motorbike into a brick wall. I didn't get up and go for a general stroll later. I got my wrist from either a tennis ball or falling down. I got my collarbone from swinging off a swing and slide too hard. Yeah, and then, like, also in that same day, when it, when he's out of hospital the next day, he gets into a fist fight with the character that Freddie Prince Jr. plays, which is Ray, uh, great name terrible character he he punches him in the head a couple of times with his broken arm now there was there's no way you'd be punching someone with your freshly broken arm once you just got out of hospital like that morning Mm -hmm. from the day before like you just wouldn't do it you'd be in so much agony and he he doesn't even wince like there's just no yeah you can't punch someone with a broken wrist i had mine fractured and i could barely even move it it was very painful there's no way you can punch someone like that so again like it's just no consistency with this movie. Yeah. Your next one. Okay. Uh, so my one is, my next one is the way he holds his hook. Yep. It's meant to be a murder weapon. He's not trying to knock him out. So basically he, when he pulls out his hook to kill it, you know, he's holding it the right way and everything makes him look really cool and everything, but he's holding it the wrong way. So the hook, the actual hook part of the hook like, the sharp part of the hook is facing away from him. Yep. And if, when you think about it, if you're trying to swing it at someone, you want to go downwards so that you're pushing all your energy down towards the ground. Yeah, so... Like, like getting murder tips away. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he does... He can't really do that. He has to sort of, like, do this weird hand thing. Yeah, bring you know, it back up. Do the other way. So if you think about, like, if you're swinging maybe uh an axe into the ground or a pick mm. into the ground that's the sort of motion like mm. from up down to low is how you'd want to do it so you want yeah. your hook facing towards the the ground yeah. but the way he's holding it it's reverse so if he yeah. swings it downwards he's so, just gonna knock him on the head yeah but if he held it like towards him although it might not look that safe it doesn't really matter it'll be a lot easier when you slash someone with your hook yeah yeah so it's all about the way that the hook goes and your strength and everything. Yeah, the moment. I really do feel like I'm giving away murder tips now. <laughs> but still, it just annoyed me that he was a killer, but he wasn't good. Like, you can't be a bad killer. That's just illogical. You gotta be a good one. Like, he even does the proper slow walk. You yeah. know, he, he got all the time in the world, but he can't hold a hook right. That's right. If you can't hold your, your, your murder weapon of choice right, then straight away you're a failed 
slasher. Yep. Doesn't matter how good your movie is, you failed if you can't hold your murder weapon right. Anyway, uh, your next point of discussion. Yep. Uh, discussion. <laughs> rant. So, so my next thing that I thought was, again, a bit silly is right near the end with Julie, played by Jennifer Love Hewitt. She, they're on the boat. They're doing the final showdown and the boat rocks or something. And she had a flare gun in her hand, which she was going to shoot at him, but she falls backwards. But when she falls backwards, the where the edge of the boat is, is actually quite high above her. So if she actually fell down and fell backwards, the railing is like above her arm. So you see her when she falls down. So normally, you know, you'd expect if it was a bit lower, then like it's obvious that they needed to get the weapon out of her when they were coming up with this scene in the movie but because of how tall she is and how high this rail is she falls down but then she flings her arm up and literally throws the gun over the railing of the boat like it just looks so fake like it yes it should have fallen probably like if you know it's rocky and everything i could see it fall being knocked out and probably go and scattering along the ground of the boat the the, the floor of the boat but it doesn't it, she like basically throws her arm up into the air So the gun goes over, and it's just, like, so ridiculous. Like, I I couldn't believe it when I saw that scene. It just looked so fake. And, like, that whole whole end chase scene of her being chased around through the boat, like, for a final girl, all she did was run away and run away and run away, and then the boy came and saved her, and all she did was scream. Yeah. It's like, if you're meant to be a final girl, you're meant to be the one that stands up at the end and beats, beats the bad guy. Like, you don't just hide in the bottom of the boat and scream. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the bottom of the boat, the boat and her being the final girl, I really didn't like that last scene. Alright, so basically they're on this they're on the boat, right? It doesn't it doesn't look like a big boat. It's all looks like a, a sort of boat you take out like the boat for Jaws. It looked like that. It wasn't big, it wasn't small, it was just the medium size. Like, you wouldn't expect it to have 50 compartments plus, like, a huge, massive ice room. Yeah, yeah, it looks like a little, it looks like a boat that's, you know, good for a day trip out fishing. Yeah. Not not one that you're going to be hauling in tons of fish. I know, because in, while she's running around randomly throughout the boat, when she could have just gone up this little hatch thing in the underside of it, she runs into a ice room. Which, when you think about it, it looks identical to the size of the actual boat when you're looking at it from the outside. Because yep. And that's where all the bodies are and everything. You know, she's all screaming, even though there's a killer on the loose on the boat and it's coming after her. You know, you don't want to scream in that point, but she does. Yep. And I don't like it how they made the boat so big in such a short amount of time. Yep. And, you know, it was just, she also did a bunch of pointless stuff. Like, she kept on going further into the boat, which had now suddenly grown to, like, the size of the Titanic. Yep. She kept running into further into the boat and away from the exit. Every time she got to an exit, she'd run the other direction, when she could have just easily gotten out of there, taken this hook off the dude, and then killed him herself. I I just didn't like how the boat was... was Ever-expanding. Yeah, it was, like, constantly expanding. It was some sort of magical boat. Uh, do you have any more points of rant? Uh, yeah, I have one last one myself, actually. And this is later on, just after... It's just before when Barry punches Ray with his broken arm. And it's when Julie is driving over to their place. Like, I think she's driving over to Helen's place. And as she's driving along, 
she hears some scratching in the car, so she pulls over. She, she ends up not being too far. Like she, so, so basically what happens is she pulls over, she goes to the back of the car, opens the boot up. Inside the boot, she finds Max's body, and it's just covered in crabs. There's like hundreds and hundreds of crabs in the boot of the car. She slams the car boot down, runs for maybe half a block, if that. She runs only a couple of houses up the road. They're already outside waiting and chatting. They then go back to her car. So it's been a maximum of about two minutes, maybe five at the most. And when they get there and they open up the boot, it's completely empty. There's no body, there's no crabs, and there's no one in sight. Now, again, I understand the idea of the torment of, like, you know, he's messing with her. But unfortunately, there's just no way that he could have followed her, seen her open that up, then pull up behind her when she runs away, bust the boot open, get out the body, and then get out like these completely clean the 100 crabs or, you know, 200 crabs out of the boot of car, get rid of them all, and then close the boot and drive away without anyone seeing him. It's just not possible because it was broad daylight. It wasn't in the middle of the night or anything. And even if he did somehow manage to do that, when they all rock up and they pop it open and then Barry, he's there and he's not believing her. He's like, oh, you're just making it up or it's a trick. That boot would have stank. Like it had a dead body in it and it had a heap of crabs in there. As soon as you open it, that boot would have stank. And they didn't smell anything. It's just ridiculous. Again. Okay. Okay. Your uh, last one. What do you got? Oh, yeah, this is my last one. My last one was the storyline. Not the storyline, but how they explained everything that's going on. Why why they're getting murdered. You know, what the connection is. It was just too much. Yep. Like, I had to get it explained to me. You had to explain it to me and everything. And I still sort of understand it, but not completely. You know, because there's like this whole, the girlfriend's father and then the boyfriend, it's like the girlfriend's father was upset or something and the boyfriend died and then the father wanted revenge because he nearly got killed. And there's a whole bunch of, I just didn't understand it. There was just parts where it didn't make sense and like, it shouldn't have been like, I need someone to tell me what this is. It should have been, I understand what that is. Like with Scream, like we understood what it was. We knew what it was. We didn't have to ask someone for help with this. <laughs> I did. I'm not that good with the storyline if they don't, like, sort of... I can tell what it is, but if they don't make it obvious-ish, then I'm completely lost. Yeah. But I was like, I don't even know what's going on here. Like, there was this whole father, girlfriend, boyfriend thing, and his best friend. I don't even know what his best friend was doing in there. But he was mentioned, and yeah. it was just, just the whole thing. Too much interconnecting. Yeah. Uh, yep. Too much. I didn't understand it. Anyway, that was that's my last part of the rant. All right. Well, maybe just before we wrap up there, off the rant, what about um, favorite scene? We we talked about favorite characters, which there wasn't any, but we did. We sort of skipped over a favorite scene. Did you have any favorite scene, or was there one scene that was okay to you? All of the death scenes, <laughs> just all of them, at least every time that one of them died, a little bit of sanity just came back. <laughs> just a tiny little bit. Um, what about you? What you? What was your favourite scene? My, uh, my favourite scene was, and it's very short, it's actually after Helen's sister is killed in the shop, and it's the, just the killer carrying her body. Like, I mentioned it before, so it's basically there's this sort of wide shot of the store and you literally just see the, the the fisherman the killer he's got 
the sister on the hook and he, she's like sort of just laying lengthways like horizontal to the ground and he's just carrying her uh, he carries her from one side of the screen to the other side of the screen um with the hook through a chest or a stomach or something while he's carrying her and she just her body's just sort of flopping around like a a soft mannequin or something i don't know it was it, it was just it was probably more comedic i think than anything is it just looked funny like and again i don't know if she was he was actually carrying her like if they had some sort of suspension harness on her and it was actually her flopping around or if it was a mannequin i don't know but that was probably the funniest thing for me all right let's move in to some facts why don't you give us a little bit of information that you found out about this movie okay Well, um, Johnny Gallicky recalled doing a body cast for the scene where Julie opens the trunk and finds Max's dead body in it with the crabs crawling all over him, like what you said before. Mm-hmm. And he later got a call for, call that production was shut down because Jennifer Love Hewitt was so upset by seeing the dead body cast of him, he called and reassured her that he was very much alive. See, and that's just sad, is it? You know, seriously, like, as if someone would break down and see enough. It's not like they killed him just to make it look real. Like they had to shut production down because she was upset. Here you go, next one. It's about the scream and um, I know what you did last su- summer crossovers. Mm-hmm. Not really, but still. The original trailer for the movie dis- described Ken Williamson and the movie as from the creator of Scream 1996. Basically, it said in the movie trailer that it was from the creators, people who created Scream. And Miramax, who were the owners of Scream at the time, well, the Scream franchise, successfully sued Columbia Pictures for false advertising and the phrase was removed. So basically, they didn't like that they were saying from the creators of Scream because it wasn't, it was false advertising. So again, they're just basically... And it's a disgrace to their name. Yeah, they're trying to use the fame of Scream to sell this movie. And this film is included on film critic Roger Ebert's most hated list. Tom, my most hated list too. Mine's probably not as long as his, but it's... I just thought that was interesting that it's actually made a film critic's most hated list. Uh, it's impressive, actually. <laughs> probably only award they'll get. Okay, Lois Clark Duncan notoriously hated Kevin Williamson's slasher reinvention of her relatively non-violent young adult novel classic of 1973. That was a mouthful. <laughs> and, she, and she didn't hide her hostility to the media and said she was outraged at how bloody Williamson made her story. Yeah, so from what I've seen is, yeah, so this was a young adult novel and it was more like a murder mystery except no one actually died in the original novel. It was sort of like a Scooby Doo thing. They're trying oh. to solve, so it had the the fisherman chasing. Where are you? Yeah, and, and there's even like the killer fisherman, ghost fisherman in, in Scooby Doo. So it was it was similar to that, and it's like the fisherman's chasing them and trying to get them, and it's them trying to work it out. So it wasn't a it wasn't a slasher, like it was just a sort of a murder mystery thing. And yeah, she was not impressed with the way that he turned it into a slasher fic when it was actually meant to be murder mystery. And yeah, because in her book, no one died. Well, um, that is all the facts that I have today. It's interesting. Uh, Again, most of the facts there 
were about how people were unimpressed with what stuff happened. Yes, I have chosen a unique selection, as you can see. All right. Well, let's move on to the rating system then. So would you say this is a daylight movie, meaning it's extremely scary and needs to be watched in broad daylight? Is it a twilight movie, meaning it's moderately scary and can be watched sort of in the early evening time, late afternoon? Or is it a midnight movie, meaning it is not scary at all and can be watched at any time in pitch black? Ah, uh, well, it is a definitely a midnight movie. There is nothing scary. There is nothing scary about this movie. It doesn't really need... You, you, you can watch it in twilight if you want, but it's not scary or anything. It's mm-hmm. a pathetic horror movie. Yep, no, not scary at all. Um, as we said, there's like no, no gore, there's no jump scares. It should have been a sort of a murder mystery movie and not a horror movie. I think maybe that would have improved it. I I actually kind of hope in maybe 10 years someone actually remakes the original and does it closer to the book. Mm. I would probably be more happier to, to watch that. More happier? Yep, more happier. I'd, I'd be happier to watch that. Yeah. Definitely. Who should watch this at what age? Uh, okay, I'm going to say under the age of two. <laughs> You can, then then you can't comprehend what's happening, and that way you won't waste any of your life. But um, yes, that is my actual vote. <laughs> I would say, but in all seriousness, but that is in all seriousness. Yeah, it's not. There's not really an age that you can put this on. I'd I'd go with probably twelve. Like it's not maybe eleven. Eleven to twelve is probably the earliest I would go for. Um, if we haven't already turned you off watching this movie. Again, you know, if you're the adult, watch it first, and then I'm sorry if you because that means you have to watch it twice. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't let a kid like it because even though there's no real horror in it, you know, someone stalking around at night might still scare a little kid. But like a hook. under the age of two, oh, yeah, under the age of two, they're not going to know anything, so that's fine. Under the age of two, you can watch whatever you want. Okay, final thoughts. Would you watch this movie again or will you watch any of the other movies in this franchise? I don't want to. I probably never will. But i got to watch the other ones in this franchise so I can complain about how horrible it is. <laughs> they only get worse, unfortunately. <laughs> this is going to be horrible. For me, I have watched all of them. I watched the third one the other couple of weeks ago. I don't know why. It was probably the worst of the three. I really didn't oh. like didn't like what they did with it. I didn't like what they did with the first two. I don't know why I really went back for the third one. I probably will never watch number one. I know what you did last summer again. I've watched it only. The only reason I watched it a second time was because for this podcast, so you could watch it and see it. That's probably the case going to be with two and three. I will probably only ever watch them again so you can see them and for this podcast because I really have no interest in, in watching it and I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. There are so many better horror movies out there. Fair enough, fair enough. All right, well, let's wrap this up. Do you have any horror movie survival tips out there for our audience that, that they could use if they find themselves in a horror movie? Uh, well, for this horror movie... You can survive this by just using a little bit of common sense. So that's my horror movie survival tip. Use common sense. Like, if you don't want to get killed, then just don't get killed, I guess. Also, you know, just... Yes, use your common sense. There's always... Just people sometimes can be idiots, but you need to use common sense, otherwise you will die in a horror movie very quickly. And also, you should know how to use a hook properly, because if you don't, then you don't deserve to be in a horror movie. Whether you're the killer or not, you don't deserve to be in a horror movie if you can't use a hook, right? So your your tip for this one is, if you're going to be in a horror movie, be the killer and just do it right. 
Yeah, yeah. Be the killer and do it right. Well, on that note and that wonderful tip, till next time. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a positive review. But most of all, please tell a friend. If you have any questions, comments or review suggestions, please email us at somedaylightrequired at outlook.com. And always remember, be good, be kind and and always always rewind. rewind. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over.